Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the spiritual laws as we pick up in Leviticus chapter 11, verse 1. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Shall we turn in our Bibles to Leviticus chapter 11? Before we begin in the 11th chapter of Leviticus, let's take a look at the first few verses of chapter 28 of Deuteronomy. Because sometimes we're prone to get bogged down in the law, and we think, oh my, I wish we could just pass over this. Is this really necessary? Aren't we under the grace of God and living in the age of grace? But in reality, it is important that God is, that we realize that God is laying down for us certain spiritual laws. And God has declared concerning his word, concerning his law, here in chapter 28, And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments which I commanded thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon thee and overtake thee, and thou shalt, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou be in the city, Blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shalt be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy ground and the fruit of thy cattle and the increase of your cows and of your flocks and of your sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shall be uh, thou be when thou comest in. Blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise against thee To be smitten before thy face, they shall come out against thee one way. They shall flee before thee in seven ways. The Lord shall command the blessings upon thee in thy storehouses and all that thou settest thine hand unto, and he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord giveth thee. And so God has given to us certain spiritual laws. If we obey them, then we are to be blessed. But if you go on and finish the book, uh, or the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy, you'll find the things that will transpire if you forsake the law of God, if you seek to ignore it. And of course, in verse 15, he begins, If thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, then cursed shalt thou be in the city. Cursed shalt thou be in the field. Cursed shalt thou shall be thy basket and thy store. Cursed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy land and the increase of your cows and so forth and all the curses that would come. Now in Joshua chapter 1, Moses gave sort of a final charge to Joshua and in verse 8 he declared, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So if you'll keep it, if you'll follow it, if you'll meditate in it, 
God will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. In Psalm 1, David declares, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and in this law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now, I know that you find it tedious sometimes going through these laws. But know this, that if you will meditate in them, and then the emphasis is doing them, God's blessing is going to be upon your life. Now, the children of Israel made a great mistake in that they thought just because they had the law, they were justified by it. But Paul said it isn't just having the law, it's doing the law that brings the blessing. So, as we go back now to Leviticus chapter 11, we find that in the 11th chapter, the Lord is dealing with the foods that they could eat and the foods that they should not eat. Now, to me, it shows that God is interested in your health. If the Lord should speak to us today, I'm sure that he'd speak to us a lot about junk foods. And he would, he would be interested in your diet because you can't really be eating a lot of junk food and ask God to give you a strong body. Like I've shared with you when... We used to go home from Bible school at night and buy ice cream and chocolate syrups and whipped cream and, and the whole thing. And then some guy would say, who's going to ask the blessing? I said, you can't ask God to bless this. <laughs> it's no good for you. You know it's not good for you. Eat it and take the consequences, but don't ask God to bless it. And so God is interested in good nutrition. And the foods that God allowed were foods that would be good, healthy, strengthening foods. Those foods that God disallowed for food, there was a health reason behind the disallowing of each food. Now, in the New Testament, we realize that the Bible says that, you know, all things are lawful for me. But yet Paul says, all things edify not. All things are not necessary. Peter saw a sheet let down from heaven with all kinds of clean and unclean things upon it. And the Lord said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. He said, oh, not so, Lord. I've never eaten anything that was unclean. And so many people take that as a, as a green light from God to eat anything. I can eat the bacon and ham and pork chops and so forth because uh, God said, don't call that unclean which I have cleansed. God wasn't really talking about pork in that scripture. He was actually talking about the Gentiles and he was dealing with Peter because God was going to call him to go to the Gentiles. And yet, I believe that Paul was a liberated enough Jew that I'm sure he probably ate pork chops and all whenever they were set before him, because he said all things are to be received with thanksgiving and eat what is set before you asking no questions. 
However, that wasn't in regards to pork. It was just, don't say, was this sacrificed to a pagan idol? Uh, if they say, yes, it was, then if you eat it, you're going to offend your conscience in there. So, uh, yet Jesus said, it isn't what goes into a man's mouth that defiles the man, but that which comes out of his mouth. And so I, I do believe that in the New Testament, the Lord did give us as Gentiles the, the privilege of eating uh, meats that were forbidden to the Jews when they sought to deal with the issue of the relationship of the Gentile church to the law. Peter said, don't put on them a yoke of bondage that neither we nor our fathers were able to bear. And so they did mention just one thing, don't eat things that are strangled actually or, or, or refrain from the blood and uh, don't eat things that are sacrificed to idols, but they didn't go into the whole dietary list that God gave to them here in Leviticus. Now, as we look at the 11th chapter of Leviticus, we find the beast that God said that they could eat, and so he gave a basic rule, whatsoever parts the hoof and is cloven-footed and chews the cud among the beast, that shall ye eat. And then it gave examples of animals that could not be eaten because they didn't follow all three. They needed to have all three of these things. They needed to have the parted hoof, the cloven foot, and they needed to chew the cud. Now the camel chews a cud, but uh, divides not the hoof, and so the camel was not to be eaten. The coney choose the cud, but divides not the hoof. It's unclean. And the hare, because, it, because he cheweth the cud, but divides not the hoof, he's unclean unto you. Now, I had someone tell me at one time, they had a friend, didn't believe in God or the Bible anymore because of this particular scripture where the Bible talks about the rabbit chewing the cud, and he said the rabbit doesn't chew the cud, and therefore, if the Bible was truly the word of God, it wouldn't say that a rabbit chews the cud when a rabbit doesn't chew the cud. Well, this animal in the Hebrew actually is the Arnabeth. And what kind of an animal that is, I don't know. But the King James translators thought that it was perhaps a rabbit. But just what kind of an animal it truly was, we don't know. However, interestingly enough, they have found out just lately that a rabbit does chew a cud. And there is now articles and scientific evidence to prove that a rabbit actually does chew a cud. And so this guy gave up his faith for nothing. How tragic indeed. Now the swine or the pig was forbidden. Now. We surely understand the health reasons for this. With wild rabbit, of course, there's always the danger of yellow fever. They are carriers of this disease. And uh, if you eat wild rabbit, you, you have to be careful because there is a prevalent danger from wild rabbit of yellow fever. From the pig, we know that if we eat pork, it is important that we cook it well done. You never 
order your pork chops raw or rare because there is that danger of really getting trigonosis from rare pork. So you've got to cook it so all of the worms are totally killed so that you're eating good dead worms instead of <laughs> the possibility that some of them may not have been cooked until they were dead. And so it's important that you really cook it well or else you're endangering your own health. Now, we know that now. We know that it is important and, and it, that a lot of people become extremely sick from not cooking the pork well enough. And so we see that God was just protecting him rather than telling him how to cook it or make sure you cook it well. He just put it on one of the forbidden list. And then God then spoke about those things that are in the water and he gave certain basic overall rules and then uh, gave some things that they should not do. But the basically overall, verse 9, These shall ye eat of that which are in the waters. Whatsoever hath fins and scales in the waters and in the seas and in the rivers, them shall ye eat. But if they have not fins or scales in the seas and in the rivers and all that move in the waters of any living thing, uh, they will be an abomination to you. And so uh, that would mean that there would be certain types of, of fish that should not be eaten. Uh, of course, crab would be forbidden. Clams would be forbidden. We do know that uh, the shellfish uh, during certain months of the year are deadly poisonous. And, and so God, again, is just protecting the people with these laws in regards to the things that are in the water. Now, as we learn more about these things, we can eat them. I mean, you can have clam chowder, and you can get your clams just so uh, you know which months to gather them in and which months to not gather them. So whatsoever, verse 12, hath no fins nor scales in the waters shall be an abomination to you. And then of the birds, certain ones were not to be eaten. You weren't to eat the eagle, the ossifrage, the vulture, the kite, the raven, the owl, the night hawk, or the hawks, various types, the little owl, the cormorant, the great owl, the swan, the pelican, the gear eagle, the stork, the heron, the lapwing, the bat. I've never had any problem with any of these things. I've never <laughs> been tempted to eat them. And so this part of the law doesn't really uh, cause me any concern whatsoever. But then, verse 21, Yet these may ye eat of every flying or creeping thing that goeth upon all four which have legs above their feet to leap with all upon the earth. That means you can eat locusts. And John the Baptist was eating locusts and wild honey. You can eat beetles if you are so inclined. And grasshoppers, if that turns you on. But the flying, other flying, creeping things, which have four feet, shall be an abomination unto you. And for these ye shall be unclean, whosoever touched the carcass of those and so forth. So God lays out and, and gives the 
rules then of, of the uncleanness, touching dead carcasses and unclean until evening and so forth, and the way you're to wash and so forth. And really, a lot of it is just the care in the washing and in the taking care of yourself after touching dead carcasses, and it's just good hygiene that God is teaching. Now this is the law of the beast and of the fowl and of every living creature that moves in the waters. And it's interesting how that the end of each chapter sort of summarizes what the chapter was about. And so in verse 46, you have sort of a summary of, of the things that God has dealt with. The law of the beast, the fowls, and every living creature that moves in the waters and every creature that creeps upon the earth to make a difference between the unclean and the clean, between the beast that may be eaten and the beast which shall not be eaten. I've noticed here that also mouse and uh, lizards and snails and moles are on the forbidden list. So um, you gourmets who love your snails, uh, just know that uh, you'd probably be healthier without them. In chapter 12, the Lord now deals with a woman uh, who has borne a child. And if it's a male child, she shall be unclean for seven days after the birth of the child, the separation from her uh, infirmity. And in the eighth day, they shall circumcise the child and she shall then continue in the blood of her purifying for 33 days. And during that period of time is not to touch any hallowed thing nor come into the sanctuary until the days of her purifying are fulfilled. But if she bears a girl child, then she shall be unclean for two weeks and be separated then in the days of her purifying for 66 days. And then when the days of her purifying are fulfilled for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring a lamb of the first year for a burnt offering, which is the offering of consecration, and a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation unto the priest. So a offering of consecration and a sin offering. Who shall, uh, the priest shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her, she shall be cleansed from the issue of blood. This is the law for her that has born a male child or a female. And if she be not able to bring a lamb, then shall she bring two turtles. That would be turtle doves or two young pigeons. And the one for a burnt offering, the other for a sin offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for her and she shall be clean. Now it is interesting when Mary and Joseph, after the birth of Jesus, came for this purification rite kind of a thing, that Mary brought two turtle doves, which would indicate that they were of poor circumstances. They weren't wealthy at all. They were poor people. They could not afford to bring a sheep, and the poor people could bring uh, the two turtle doves, and thus Mary, indicating the poverty of Mary and Joseph, brought two turtle doves for the sacrifice for her rite of purification and all. As we get into chapter 13, God is dealing with the subject of leprosy. And the priests were given instructions on uh, how to diagnose 
leprosy, a breaking out on a person's body, the examination of it, the color of hairs that are in the blotch and so forth, uh, so that the priest can truly identify the leper. Now it was twofold. Number one, if it was indeed leprosy, and many times they would set them apart for seven days, re-examine them to, to see if there be any change of condition. But God wanted them to be very careful to, number one, if it was leprosy, to isolate them from the people, to keep this disease from spreading. And so it was a quarantine kind of a thing. But secondly, the careful examinations so that no one would be isolated who was not truly a leper. So God wanted them to be careful in both directions, make sure it's leprosy, so that in case it is leprosy, the person can be isolated from the community so that the disease would not spread. But secondly, make sure if it isn't, that the person then doesn't have this isolation from the community itself. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Leviticus on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Leviticus 11 through 13 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord enrich you in all good things in Christ Jesus. May He fill you with the knowledge of His love and His grace. And may you walk in fellowship with Him. And may the Lord continue His work in your life as He draws you unto Himself, as He cleanses you through His Word, as He fits you and prepares you for that work that He would have you to do. God bless you, and God strengthen you, and keep you ever in His love and in His will. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. For years, Pastor Chuck was asked thousands of questions. This new guy that my mom married, he thinks that the Christian beliefs are foolish, and I was wondering if that's going to like affect my mom's walk. 
I'm a Christian. I'm trying to fight the addiction of smoking. And are those things going to keep me from going in the rapture? Is it okay to use your tithes and give it to someone who's going on a mission trip instead of giving it directly to church? The Word for Today is pleased to present an ebook called Biblical Counseling by Chuck Smith, listing over 200 topics that include Pastor Chuck's commentary and the scripture references he used. Topics include addiction, business relationships, depression, lawsuits, sexuality, training children, and so much more. To download the Biblical Counseling ebook by Chuck Smith, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link provided. Or you can call 1-800-272-9673.